Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Open Heart with the incredible Dr. Terry Mack. Today, we are discussing all things bad boys. This is a topic that I feel very qualified to talk on, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. And uh, the reason that we are talking about this today is in light of Jesse Nelson and Nicki Minaj's new single that they've released this week. It has received some controversy, not just because of the lyrics and the fact that we are still glamorizing bad boys as a society, but also for a whole nother load of allegations around blackfishing and, you know, cultural appropriation. We are not going to go into those today, although we do understand that they are important topics that we would love to talk about if we had more time. But today we're going to discuss all things bad boys. Dr. Terry Matt, clinical psychologist and relationship expert. I bet you've seen a lot of these in your time in practice, right? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't been there. I have. Mm -hmm. I've dated quite a lot of bad boys. We've all been there. And something that I actually haven't spoken much about, which we should probably do another episode on, is the fact that I actually dated someone that later got sentenced to five years in prison. So, yeah, I've absolutely been there with the bad boys. And I think I want to ask you what actually is a bad boy in like psychological terms. There's a range, but when we talk about bad boys, typically we're talking about a few different things. One, they're not present, they're not consistent, they're not able to show up for us in a consistent, stable way. So we have to chase after them. We never know when we're going to hear from them. Sometimes they disappear, they're hot, they're cold, they do things on their own terms, and we're just along for the ride. That is a primary feature of bad boys when we talk about bad boys, right? Another piece could also be that they do reckless or dangerous behavior. We find that sexy, that danger is sexy. It brings excitement to our life, but it's also dangerous and unstable. On the far end of the spectrum, when we talk about bad boys, we could be talking about things that we've talked about before, like those character traits you know, actual mental diagnoses like narcissistic personality disorder or just narcissistic traits. So somebody doesn't have to have full-blown narcissistic personality disorder to have lack of empathy, doesn't consider your feelings as very self-absorbed and focused on himself, or even, you know, repeatedly does things that hurt you or damage the relationship. So bad boys typically are not men who show up for us in a consistent way, honor the relationship, honor us, care about our needs and feelings. It's the opposite usually, or some combination of that. 
Yeah, I love it how you put it as almost like a sliding spectrum because you're right, it's almost impossible to ever just like put people into categories. So I love that idea. And I also feel like something that really resonated with me was the fun and the excitement of, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. Now, mm-hmm. my relationship with the man who went to prison actually it's a lot more boring than one might think he had already committed the crime when I met him and he was waiting to be sentenced and it was a white collar crime so it wasn't the kind of sexy bad boy um vibe that people are probably imagining and again we'll go into that another time because I actually think there is a lot of interesting stuff to discuss there But I did really resonate with what you said about the exciting danger piece. There was a guy that I dated when I was younger. It wasn't anything serious, but he was so reckless. Like he would always crash his motorbike. He at one point was dealing drugs. And I was honestly like smitten. Like I was absolutely smitten. And that didn't turn you off. It made you more attracted. Yeah, which is concerning. Because I think now, now I genuinely think I would be like that is just embarrassing almost like what are you doing you know come on grow up I really really don't think and I guess this is a reflection of me doing the work because like you said in our episode last week it gets to a point where actually that behavior is repulsive for you and whilst I haven't got there with the unavailable man I have got there with the bad boy or the reckless boy and now for me you know, I'm at a point where I want consistency and stability. So yeah, for me, it's like a hard no. But what is it about that danger piece that you mentioned? Why do we find it exciting and sexy when objectively, we know what they're doing is illegal and not attractive, I guess? Yeah, well, I cannot wait to give you your relationship reading because you said you're ready for consistency, stability. My question is, will you be able to tolerate that? Because, you know, the reason that we are attracted to bad boys, whether it's because of their reckless, exciting, dangerous behavior, or it's because of their unavailability is because we become addicted to that intermittent reinforcement schedule. What is intermittent reinforcement? It's the most addictive kind of reinforcement schedule. So if you think about a rat in a cage in in a scientific experiment, um, intermittent reinforcement means the rat pushes the lever and no food pellet comes out. So they push the lever again, no food pellet. They push the lever, let's say 12 times, and finally a food pellet comes out. So then they keep doing it again, they, they know at some point they're going to get more food, but they don't know when. And the anticipation of that is what keeps them pressing. And so part of the addiction or the allure or the attraction to bad boys is chemical. Even part of it is emotional, psychological, part of it is chemical. And there are lots of chemicals at play, but the two that I want to talk about the most are dopamine and oxytocin because dopamine is that feel good chemical, right? And it's released when we're doing something that feels pleasurable and feels good. And it is the most responsive to an intermittent reinforcement schedule. So with a bad boy who is inconsistent, disappears, was wishy-washy, can't commit, maybe doing dangerous things, you never know what he's up to, our brain actually gets conditioned to be addicted to that dopamine rush. When they're around, 
we have them and it's so exciting. It's so pleasurable. When they're gone, we're waiting until the next hit, basically. And when we're with a nice guy who is consistent and stable, we don't have that rush of dopamine. You don't get these huge hits of it. And so we feel bored. This is literally amazing. I feel like I'm having so many light bulb moments here because I think as someone that historically has, you know, struggled with addictions and addictive traits and tendencies, it would make sense that if I have experienced that with substances or with exercise, that the same mechanisms would be working with men. And I remember this, like this was so long ago, but I was talking to this guy and he was so wishy-washy and every time he messaged me, I was so happy. And then every time he let me down, I was like bereft. Obviously it was triggering lots of other deeper things that were going on. It wasn't just because he didn't message me that I was upset. But now I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's why it felt so good because it was literally a chemical release. And I remember he didn't turn up to this birthday party that I was having and I was distraught. It's just this roller coaster of dopamine and coming down from it. It's fascinating what you said, you know, am I ready for it? And I think I can't wait to do that relationship reading with you because with the guy that we spoke about on last week's episode two that I went on a date with, you know, he was initially fairly wishy-washy in terms of making a plan. And I now love a plan. Like if you want to see me, I want to know when, what time and where in advance. I don't think it's attractive to wait to the day before to organize it. I don't think it's cool to check in on the day to be like, hey, do you still want to do something later? No, I like plan in advance, intention, et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely feel I'm moving down that sliding scale towards consistency and reliability. But you're right. I I 100% still think that to some extent that dopamine hit is there and I have to manage it very very well often I think as we discussed people appear as tests right I've had a lot of people messaging me and they are guys that I know not right for me or they are guys with girlfriends you know they are people that I should not be engaging with and as much as the dopamine in me wants to reply to get that hit I'm very good now at being like no we're going to park that we're going to put it over there and just either not reply or you know reply accordingly so Mm fascinating to learn about the chemicals and I reckon that's going to make a lot of people look differently at how they're engaging with these bad bad boys yes and two things I want to say one what you're describing is literally how you level up and get to a new pool of potential partners because once you keep passing that test you say no not available for that no 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 eventually the universe quits sending you that type of person. You pass the test, you're on to a new level now of people. So that's exciting. I also wanted to mention another chemical, another hormone, oxytocin, right? So oxytocin, they call it the cuddle chemical because it is released when a mother cuddles her baby. And it's released when we are affectionate and cuddling and having sex with somebody we're in a romantic partnership with or somebody that we're having sex with. They don't have to be in a partnership with them. And so in these bad boy relationships, when we're with these partners who even do things that hurt us repeatedly, oxytocin, you know, when we have that, when we have a physical connection with someone, if we're sleeping with them, if we're cuddling with them, when we're with them, that chemical is released. It not only promotes connection. So we feel really connected with this person, but it also promotes trust. 
So this is why if we have a physical connection with someone and then they go and cheat on us or treat us horribly, they speak to us horribly or they disappear for days at a time, we will still be likely to trust them and continue to trust them because of this cuddle hormone. Well, we want them back. We want that fix of the oxytocin and then also the dopamine addiction, right? So these two chemicals are keeping us in this relationship that objectively we know is toxic, is bad, but we don't want to know that because it feels so damn good when it's good. It, it's horrifically painful when it's bad, but we're waiting for the next good part. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah, total sense. That is absolutely fascinating. It makes so much sense that everything is just like a chemical roller coaster. Because objectively, you can look at these people and you can be like, I know this is not a good idea. I have friends from when I was younger, they would always see their drug dealer or something ridiculous like that. It would be a joke, but also at the same time, they genuinely were like, oh, I think I might hang out with him. And now I look back, I'm like, wow, why would you ever do that? Um, right. That, so that is fascinating. And I think my next question for you is, and again, no shame, no judgment here. This is a weird-ish thing for me to say, which is that when I was younger, if a man would become very protective of me in a relationship or when we were dating, for example, I remember when I lived in Dubai and this guy was trying to court me and I wasn't really that interested in him, but we were standing at a bar and some other guy was trying to talk to me. And everyone was very drunk and he basically just ended up punching this guy in the face and was essentially like, don't fucking talk to her. But I remember at the time having a conversation with a friend afterwards and joking and she was like, oh, that's so hot, you know, him protecting you or whatever. Now I look back and I'm like, whoa, you've got issues. And thank goodness I didn't end up dating you. What is it that sometimes we like that protective, angry element that these bad boys kind of seem to bring? Is that a problem or a challenge with me as the other person obviously they have their own challenges but is there anything you've got to say on that yes so i know you've talked a lot about this in other work that you're doing emotional regulation right like regulating our nervous systems and it's sometimes it takes us a very long time to even understand that that's work we need to do and so you know that guy who punched the other guy because he didn't like what he was doing Obviously, he didn't know how to emotionally regulate himself and had horrible boundaries and was reckless and dangerous. And you were probably at a place where you were not doing this work of regulating, right? And emotional regulation means you can calm yourself down. You notice your internal state. And when you're triggered or when you're anxious, you know that it's important to learn how to emotionally regulate your nervous system so you feel peaceful, you feel calm, and that is the state in which we are most aligned, right? Mm -hmm. If we haven't done that work, then we are going to be attracted to people who also are not emotionally regulated. Again, it's that high highs, low lows, wow. right? So we like that. If, if we are not emotionally regulated and we're kind of all over the place and we act impulsively and we can't manage our feelings, then we're going to attract other people like that. And we're going to be attracted to other people like that. People who are emotionally regulated are going to seem really boring. That is fascinating because I also feel like now since I don't drink and don't take drugs or don't do anything like that, I hardly even go out on the party scene at all. But if I was to hypothetically, and if I was to see a guy fighting, 
because I am now emotionally regulated, in touch with myself, embodied, not drunk, whatever, I would look at that and be like, ooh, like, that's disgusting. You know, what on earth is this person doing? And I would almost be a little bit scared of it as well, I think, because it's not, objectively, it's not a safe situation. Right. And so that's, again, quite nice to see a bit of growth, whereas eight years ago, I wonder if also I got, again, some kick of adrenaline or cortisol off that because it was quite an intense situation and something inside of me chemically was like wow rather than like run away that is great because you don't resonate with that anymore right we resonate with people on our same emotional psychological physiological level spiritual level and so now that you're more regulated you resonate more with men who are more regulated Yes. And also, I mean, part of that, it's the story that we tell about somebody else's behavior. Your friend told the story like, oh, that's sexy. And you made it about you. Oh, that's so sexy that he wanted to protect me. When the truth is, he's not a safe person. He can't manage his emotions, right? In that instance, maybe you didn't get hurt, but somebody like that could hurt you. Maybe not even physically, but somebody who can't regulate their emotions you're going to trigger them at some point stuff is going to get hard at some point and how are they going to deal with that wow I didn't even I never even thought of anything like that that is that is amazing okay my final question for you is so I grew up in a family that was definitely vocal my mother is very vocal so I've learned that from her but my father is the most calm most gentle wouldn't hurt a fly wouldn't touch a spider most calm and gentle man have never heard him raise my voice in 32 years of my life my dad was the opposite of a bad boy so I was just thinking maybe for anyone out there who is the same who's grown up in quite a calm family is there kind of any explanation as to why we might be feeling this pull and attraction because we say a lot of the time that it goes back to childhood but in this situation for me I don't think it actually did so I'd love your thoughts on that well I think it absolutely does go back to childhood (laughs) and again (laughs) you know I it's hard to give a blanket answer for everybody so until I get all the details for you I'll give you a more specific answer in your reading but I will say that I'm guessing that your dad was probably emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. even though he was calm and gentle and kind hundred percent. My guess is he was an emotionally unavailable dad. And so go ahead. And also now to think about it, he was quite sporadic in terms of, you know, coming and going, he was at work a lot. Maybe I didn't know when he was going to be around. So maybe that ties in like the sporadic nature of what I had experienced. Mm -hmm. And so one of the allures of bad boys for you has probably been that unavailability, that inconsistency, and that you've learned to do the work in that relationship, right? My guess is he didn't come to you and check in with you like, Louise, how are you feeling? What do you need from me? And again, not because he's a bad dad, but because of the things he learned in his own experiences. So your template of love has been, I do a lot of work. I have to work hard to get in there. I make things happen. It's not like you go in expecting a man to be putting effort into you and pursuing you and nurturing you and taking care of you. But that was not the template. Yeah, you're 100% right. (laughs) For me, it just always comes back to the unavailable man. So I feel like we just tied it back to that without me even realizing 
that we were going to go there. Once again, you're right. I spent my 20s chasing these men, chasing them, trying to get something out of them rather than expecting from the get-go a nice, consistent love. I know we're going to end soon, but one other piece is when we are attracted to emotionally unavailable partners and bad boys are almost always emotionally unavailable, it points to some emotional unavailability in us. We haven't done your reading yet, so I don't know everything I need to know, but my guess is that your work is learning how to really sit with your own feelings and show up with all of your feelings in a relationship and trust that somebody wants to see them and can hold space for them and can respond to them. And because you haven't been there, you have been attracted to men that you know aren't going to get too close because to get too close, that true emotional intimacy is terrifying if we haven't experienced it in our parental relationships. Wow. You've given me goosebumps. I think you're on the right track. Not that I ever doubted you. I can't wait to do that relationship reading with you. And thank you for today. I think it's been fascinating for me to understand the chase and where that's come from and also why it feels so good in terms of the chemical, the instability, the dopamine, et cetera, et cetera. And for anyone out there listening, again, you are not alone if you have always chased the bad boy or the bad girl or the unavailable partner. This space that we're fostering here is to realize that we are all just doing the best that we can with the childhoods and the parenting and the lives that we have been given. So Dr. Terry, thank you. You are basically changing lives out here and I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for you too. 